0: You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network, now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for aftershow entertainment. Very good,
1: And welcome back to another amazing After Buzz TV after show for your favorite show. It's Hemlock Grove, and we're on Season 2, Episode 4, Bodily Fluids. Lots of bodily fluids. Oh, yeah. I'm your host, Shano, and I'm joined here by my lovely co-host. Hello, everyone. I'm Marissa Serafini. And J.T. Juergens is actually off tonight. She won't be joining us, but she'll be joining us back for the next episode that I'll be filming, and Marissa will not be here.
2: However, I will not, yeah. Yes,
1: where are you going, Marissa?
2: I will be visiting family for a week, so. Back east? Yep, yeah, back east, because <laughs> we're in Los Angeles, so yes. I will be missing next week's episode, unfortunately. Uh,
1: well, we're going to be missing you. Aw. Uh. So, so, let's go ahead and talk about our topics tonight. We're going to go over Miranda lactating. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about Peter saving a kid, Shusser investigates... A lot of people. He investigates Olivia, Norman, and Peter. He's just all over everybody in this episode. Yeah, everyone. He's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's, he's doing a very good job as sheriff. Mm-hmm. Shelly relates to the little boy Jason and Beaumont takes some trophies. Trophiness. Uh, so disgusting what he does. And, and then we'll talk about news and gossip and predictions after that.
2: Sounds fun. Yeah.
1: So Miranda lactates. So. We get to see her... Let's just start, like, at the end of the episode, right? (laughs) So, she's lactating, and we don't know why she's doing this. Her body is just pumping out milk, Mm -hmm. and she's able to silence the baby. The baby has been crying the whole time. Every episode, we see the baby in. And she... Is able to shut the baby up even just by walking into the room what's up with that Marissa
2: I know because even the butler and that the caretaker lady has been saying that you know the baby's unhappy it's crying it needs proper nutrition that it's not getting from like breastfeeding
1: or the formula so, yeah, or it's, the
2: for- it's, formula it's yeah. not getting fed properly so it it needs that and I guess you know having Miranda there she helps she helps with that.
1: Yeah, so she starts lactating about the time, or we notice rather, is when that that lady doing the petition for gun control comes in. And it's actually like a funny situation how it happens because she's like, oh, that happened to me before, you Mm -hmm. know, when I was pregnant. And immediately when I saw that, I was kind of like, whoa, wait a second. She could she be pregnant immediately because of Peter? They just slept together the night before, and maybe because he's got that crazy Vargolf wolf powers going on, he impregnated her, and now she's able to like have some kind of crazy super baby that's already like growing and making her lactate
2: at at a rapid rate. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Because also we saw the. The other situation when Miranda was in the washroom and she saw that toy in the washer, that the baby toy, and I think that might have been another catalyst for bringing on the lactation.
1: Yeah, that could have been it, too. She could have saw that in, like, subconsciously. It's it, it's like, oh, there's baby around here. And her like maybe her maternalistics start pumping in, kicking in with her body. Who knows? Like, I'm sure there are women who just lactate and they don't have children, right?
2: Exactly. I mean, some women do that when they see other babies or other women women's children and whatnot so i mean it is a maternal instinct that all women have
1: and i think too it's there's even uh they they even use not not necessarily midwives because midwives are more for like birthing the child right right but then they'll they i think there have been cases where some women who are like the nurses or like the 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 caretaker caregiver for the child but not the mother and then they just start to lactate too and then they're able to feed the child as well right
2: yeah i mean i've heard situations where there has been a woman who saw another woman's kid crying but then she started lactating so i mean it it's the spark that just happens
1: the human body is a very weird and beautiful thing. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's very interesting, but I, I find it fascinating how that happens, though. So.
1: Yeah, so she, she lactates. This whole episode was just, it was weird for Miranda and she's able to like, si- she's able to silence the child too. She comes into the room, the baby looks at her, and we still don't even know the baby's name yet, by the way. Yeah, we don't. And with just those intense blue eyes staring at Miranda and she's, and the baby is just like, I think I think she the baby compelled Miranda to come in there, and we, like it kind of like urged her to come in in a way, like set things up. What, what do and, you think?
2: I mean, maybe I'm not sure if the baby that was the baby's doing because we also see Miranda. She's very curious yes. th- throughout all these episodes, and she's even asking the butler, "Hey, what's behind the door number three? You know, uh, you know, is that where you keep the dead bodies?" So you yeah. can see Miranda's already curious to find out like other rooms in the house, and she even got in. Into that room, so it was kind of her doing, and then she found the baby. So I mean, and then her lactating. She's like, something else is something's going on here. Something's hidden in that room, and lo and behold, it's that baby. But did you notice the the passcode that she typed into?
1: I did, I. It was something with zero things. two
2: six nine. Zero, I mean, okay. she was pressing some buttons before that, but the yeah. numbers that we saw the audience I actually she'd... saw it was like zero two six nine. Yeah. I was trying to figure out the the meaning in that, but I couldn't really find something
1: yeah neither could I actually I did notice that at first she just put three numbers she was like two six nine and then she was like wait there has to be something else you know Mm -hmm. because it wasn't letting her in and then she did the zero two six nine but I know I wanted to kind of jump ahead a little bit in the since you and I have both seen the entire (laughs) season yes um there's, there's more than one door, isn't there, to get into the baby's Yeah, it's like a room? double
2: door yeah. kind of security system that they have. Yeah, so, by the, have going yeah, so
1: on. by the way, if this is a spoiler alert for you fans at home <laughs> listening, because we're going to be, tar- you know, since it's just Marissa and I tonight, we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit more. Um, le- so, there's two password, there's two keypads to get into two different doors to get to the baby, pretty yes. much. So, she knew the first one. Now, the question is, is the second one the same thing? And it, it must have been for her to be able to access the baby.
2: It, I mean, it might have been. I mean, I don't think we got that clear note of what was the first one, what was the second one. So, it might have been if Roman's security is the same, then, I mean, that's a pretty easy one to crack then. Yeah. <laughs> he might need to change that.
1: Yeah, he might need to. But who knows? Maybe it's maybe one person is issued one password, and or one passcode, rather, and... Uh, uh, that's the maid's passcode. Mm-hmm. Maybe the other guy, Mr. I forgot his name. Do you know the butler's name? They say it's like Conway or Callaway mm. or something like that later on. I forgot what it is. The his name,
2: name was. escapes me. But it, the, that double door security system kind of reminds me of the lab at um, the Godfrey Industries. Like, no one knows how to really get to the lab except for Price and his. You know, Russian lady that works for him,
1: Doctor Galina.
2: Doctor Galena. So I mean, the security is you know pretty up to par.
1: Yeah. So and and we also get to this. We, we've noticed this before, but also I wanted to bring up how in the baby's room too, it's got like that that acoustic like anti acoustic stuff going on, right? Like the all padding, all the padding. And I don't think it's necessarily padding. It's like uh, it looks to me like wood actually. So it's pretty solid stuff to really insulate the sounds that the baby's making in there.
2: It's to hide that there there's no ba there is a baby in there. No one wants to know that they're you know, we don't want that news out in the open.
1: We don't want people in the hemlock grove community to find out that there's a child yeah. that was birthed by by roman godfrey and Mm -hmm. who's the mother oh by the way it was his cousin aka his half sister right that's very very twisted (laughs) yes very very twisted
2: but i think you know also roman's trying to hide the baby from olivia because we know Olivia's right. very baby-centric. Yes, she is. She, she has that mentality to always have babies.
1: Yeah, she wants... Well, she. We're, later on we're going to find out that yeah. she wants to have this baby like carry on pretty much the Pierre bloodline. Upier and bloodline. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and... Was there anything else about Miranda that we wanted to discuss this time?
2: No, I, no, I mean, she she played her pivotal part. The fact yeah. that I think we're going to see a lot more Miranda involvement with this this baby now. And um, you know it's it's going to be interesting what we see down the road.
1: Agreed. Um, so Peter, he saves a kid, and finally, after all his dreams, all his visions, we get to see him go after, uh, go after his visions, do some investigation, mm-hmm. and end up saving this little boy on his little his little <laughs> roadster his little tricycle, <laughs> his tricycle roadster, and he t- he put that truck to use too. That tow truck he has been driving around yeah. because it's a big, you know, it's a big truck and it's, it's a heavy thing. It's meant to lug around other cars. Yeah, and it doesn't stop on a dime either. No, no, and it got that thing got in the way of that Bronco that was going after the kid.
2: Yeah. So I mean, it was really good how you know um, Peter managed to do that, but also the the bank sign or the 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 O four seven O four eight was actually you know forty seven degrees, forty eight degrees. I mean, yeah. it was kind of inverted a little bit. But I find that fascinating. He, then he put two and two together. Hey, it's like, hey, the stream, my vision is going down right now. Yeah. I better do something
1: that's right and he was doing the whole investigation thing with it, it's so funny because we have later on we have chasseur we're going to talk about him investigating everybody but peter's doing his own investigation too because he wants to find out why these dreams are coming to him why he's having these premonitions about a murder happening and mm-hmm. who these these cult weirdo mask guy, guys are so he's doing his own thing he's calling up people pretending to be a vendor saying <laughs> yeah. I, oh this is pablo from ricola pablo. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so good and he's like crossing names off the list he's 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 doing a thing. He's doing his own investigation. It's nice to see him doing some, like, Hardy Boys detective work.
2: Absolutely. On his own, not with Roman, which I find pretty interesting, too. I mean, it was very smart how Peter would do it, you know. Like, of course, I feel it was very romantic kind of way. You know, you have to lie to get answers or, like, his dirty work to try to get somewhere. I mean, uh, I find it funny that it was very in character with Peter and, like, how he would... The steps he would do to get somewhere. And I like how he's taken that initiative. But what did you think of his reaction when he finally saves the kid and then him yelling at the mother, like, that warning?
1: I really liked his reaction there. For a number of ways. First of all, it was like, you can see that the wolf, the Vargulf, is really taking over in him because this, in this episode too, he did a slight transformation, Mm -hmm. but he, he held back from it, thankfully. You got to see some of the scars that he had on his torso, midsection this time. And, um, he, you can see that the Vargulf is taking over in him. And, but at the same time, he still is trying to maintain his humanity and he he's even though he's getting mad and aggressive with the woman and her child he still wants the best for them he wants them to if you just listen to his words his words are hey i'm trying to save you i want you to get out of town uh someone's trying to kill you it's not me yeah, and, and everything. Listen. Yeah, everything he said is good. It's just the manner in which he handled it that was not good.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think he had he been more calm and more rational a little bit. Especially, I mean, he might have been just caught up in the moment, but it was the way he yelled at it, and he was yelling, literally yelling at the woman. I mean, if, if anyone was in that situation, they'd be freaked out too, and probably skip town. So, and and I think that that anger, impatient kind of was somewhat of the Vargolf trying to come out.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the Fargo trying to get, come out, we got to see uh, the henchmen get, trying to rough him up a little bit after they got beat up by <sighs> by Mister Beaumont, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we we got to see
2: before it, they got beat up, actually. You know
1: what? Even even with that that scene where, where Peter was going off on them when they were trying to beat him up and get their money back, mm-hmm. he was still very thoughtful. Like, he he punched him just to show him enough force. Like, hey, don't mess with me, man. I'm crazy. I'm a crazy romantic. <laughs> so, or is it romantic? Romantic. Romantic. Yeah, so he, after he punched him, broke the guy's nose... He's still like, go get a pack of ice. Get a pack of ice from the fridge right now.
2: So, and then he even straightened out his nose. There, now
1: he'll straight. Exactly. So he is still, even though he's got physical aggression and and yelling and like all that, he's still caring. He's a st- he's still a caring dude, and he, he wants to have everything turn out the best for everybody.
2: Yes, I mean I agree, and it shows that he's still a good guy, and he's going to be fighting this Vargolf. For the rest of the episodes, I believe that that's going to be a constant internal and external conflict within him. Yeah. So that'll be fun.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, we get to see that even though he saves this kid, he's leaving. Obviously somebody calls the cops on him and <laughs> Chaucer gets involved and he even locks him up and he starts questioning him a little bit and he's, he gives him a P test too. And he's like, come on, what is this for? I'm not going, I'm not a druggie. I'm not doing anything. I, mm-hmm. what I saw, you know, it was legit. And he starts explaining, he, I think, I don't know if he explained his visions to him yet. He didn't, he didn't do that yet. Huh?
2: No, no, I don't. Yeah. I think he was like, I was just trying to help this woman and his ki- and the kid because someone's after them.
1: Yes, exactly. Somebody is after them. Somebody. So, so he's being a good Samaritan.
2: He is. And I th- but I think because he, in a very suspicious way, that's why Chassure is holding onto him for 24 hours. Yes.
1: He's, for reasonable suspicion. For reasonable <laughs>
2: suspicion. Because <laughs> he was very suspicious.
1: He was. He was very suspicious. He wasn't
2: being honest up front. So I will give Chassure that he does have the right to hold him.
1: Now, how did Shasur get get in touch with, like, who got in touch with Chasor to go after peter about this because they were supposed to, it was like 70 miles away or something i think he mentioned something like that like 40 or 70 miles away it was like this town wherever he was going to it wasn't in hemlock grove where that where that kid was, no, it
2: was somewhere else yeah but probably like heard it through the grapevine people are complaining or you mm-hmm. know i mean they we saw when outside when he was yelling at the woman you know there was a community there they were all watching what went down so i think it was just people the witnesses spreading around what happened.
1: Yeah, the witnesses. They probably called the police and then Probably. And then Word travels fast in then, Hemlock. Yeah, and then it somehow got back to the sheriff, of course, and Hemlock Well maybe Hemlock County is actually bigger than we think. I would imagine it's a small county, but it's probably bigger.
2: Probably bigger. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of Chasseur, unless we you had something else to add <laughs> regarding Peter.
2: No, it's just the uh, ch- you know, talking to a lot of people Even Olivia. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he is. So he starts talking to. So we already talked about him talking to Peter a little bit and doing his investigation with Peter. He speaks to Olivia, too. And he says, like, oh, by the way, witnesses saw Marie Godfrey here the night that she was supposed to have disappeared. What's up with that? And
2: there's a lot of witnesses going on. Yeah. I mean, do you, you think they'd be a little bit more careful with all the actions that they're going through? But that everyone's having an eye on the romantics and the Godfreys?
1: That's right. And it's just so funny how Olivia is so duplicitous with everybody. You know, so- she's she's lying her, you know, through her teeth to everybody, and she's do- doing it with a smile on her face cuz she's so emotional this season, right?
2: Oh, I know. I mean, it's it's kind of fun that even though she can feel emotions and being more she has more humanistic qualities, you can still see her be Olivia
1: yes. in her
2: Conniving, you know, manipulative ways.
1: That's right. And um, before we talk about, well, I actually want to jump over a little, not to one of our other topics, but kind of related to this. With with Olivia in, there's that one scene where she's in bed and Norman comes to visit her, and he and he finds out that she that she was lying to him. She straight <laughs> up, like, even before he says anything, she straight up says, "Yes, I know. Like, I should have told you that Marie was here."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's lying to Norman. And even, because we know from season one, she was an actress, so she's making up these lies, which actually do kind of sound legit, because Marie, we know that Marie's angry, she has a lot of anger towards Godfrey, and, you know, be like, hey, this is Norman's fault, you know, it's Norman's fault that Letha died, in Godfrey and Godfrey, and issues, and whatnot. So, I mean, I and can... we that was und- such a great lie. Of, yes, we can kind of believe that lie, yeah. even though we as the audience know it's a lie. Yes. I mean, and that's great for Olivia using her act actress ways to mm-hmm. pull that off. And, and then, even on the point where she was on her hands and knees, like, why would I lie?
1: Exactly, and it was so great for her to do all that. And it's so great to to see Norman's fatal flaws. His hubris is that he can't. He loves Olivia so much he can't see past her. Killing his ex wife being gets evil. tunnel vision, he totally gets tunnel vision you're absolutely right mm-hmm. marissa and it's it's nice to see that because imagine all the clients he sees all the time for for his sessions and how many times he he's able to probably pinpoint liars like right away like why are you doing this to yourself? why are you lying to yourself but he can't see it with Olivia and yeah. she's like the most she's she's it's because she's too involved in his life he's too involved in her life yes and he, he loves her too much yeah, all the physical affection that they share every episode it seems like they're doing stuff this time
2: absolutely and but I also question their relationship yes we know that Norman and Olivia do love each other but is it all true genuine love because I think in season one we were speculating whether Norman was under Olivia's you know spell, um, spell extance whatever And so it makes me think, is this still going on in season two that's making Norman so tunnel-vision? Is it real love, or is it just something like he wants to see past?
1: And is her love for him real, too? Because she could be extancing him, compelling him... To be in love with her, but does she do it because she loves him or because she's using him to manipulate him in some way? And I can't see any kind of manipulation going on other than, you know, perhaps compelling him, but there's no, there's no end. I don't see any end in sight right now for why does she want him to be around other than she does love him. She does want a companion now because Mm -hmm. she's alone. Her house is empty now. Her nest is completely empty. Yeah, I mean, she's losing people
2: and even Norman's losing people because now. He, he has lost Marie, he has lost Letha and the baby, and now he's starting to lose Olivia in that way because we, we can see that separation growing between them because Olivia's lying right to his face.
1: Yeah, and before there were so many connections that we had with Norman... Right? Because before he would obviously, he would visit Roman. He doesn't visit him too much. He's only seen him twice so far this season. Uh, maybe three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's only seen him a few times so far. And, but, but before we had him with his family, Norman had his own family, right? He had Marie before. He had Letha there in the house. They were expecting a baby on the way. He always communicated with Shelly before. This episode, we get to see that he sends an email to Shelly. So yeah. there's only really, it, it, his family has been cut in half. Pretty much
2: it's been pretty much com- cut completely because even Shelley's gone and he's sending the email and you can see even he says like I don't know why I'm still writing to you. it makes me comfortable and you know it comforts me. So I mean, he's still trying to grasp on to anything he can call a family.
1: He's grasping for straws right and
2: now. Olivia's like the only person in his life that can show any semblance of a family.
1: Or in uh, Shelley's case, he's grasping at dead fingers, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally, dead fingers. But Chasseur even goes and visits Norman too in his at his office, his clinic or whatever. Yeah, and he's it's so funny because it, it feels like he just made himself at home. Chasseur just like sh- sat down at the desk and he was like. Hey, so tell me about your relationship between your ex wife and Olivia you know, mm-hmm. tell tell me all this like tell me what's going on, and it's like he is in a way being the therapist, but he's gaining, <laughs> you know but he's gaining information he's like interrogating him, even though it's like an at interview the,
2: right? at the same time, yeah, same but time. I think that's very smart of Chessor because we saw Clementine doing it in this first season going to everyone and trying to figure out how they're all related and now Chester is doing it
1: he's doing it again but of course the relationships have all changed thankfully yes, we're not just going yeah drastically we're not just going over the same kind of stuff it, it's all different it's all new but then there's a lot of overlap too mm-hmm. and I think I'm not sure was it last episode that it was like the very end and then it showed Chester was sitting behind the sheriff's uh, desk or was it this one
2: Oh, I, we did see last episode that, you know, Chasor is actually now the new town sheriff. Yes. So that's why, and we can even see the the other policemen, they're like, what is he doing here? You know, yeah. this guy is an overworked workaholic, what is he doing in his office? Mm-hmm. And then we see the bulletin where it's like, Chasor is kind of obsessed with romantics and the Godfrey's right now. He has to follow them. Everything- I mean, he's picking up the work that Clementine left off.
1: Exactly. And it's even worse now, or better in his case, because yeah. he actually has an official position there in Hemlock Grove as the sheriff. Before, Clementine, she couldn't do that much. Her hands were kind of tied, so she ha- she had to sleuth around a little bit mm-hmm. and always talk to uh Sheriff Sworn for permission, which is awful, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I talked about this last time, but Sworn, he was like... Just a cop, which is like I'm gonna do the typical thing, like I'm gonna like abide by these rules, and it's like uh, oh, that's you know, like he's just like doing half-ass work, pretty much. Yeah. Whereas, and and their name is pretty much like that way too. That's what it indicates to me. It's like sworn, you're just a sworn officer. That's all you are. Whereas right. chasseur, he's like you brought up before. It means hunter, right? Mm, yeah. So chasseur is French for hunter, and he's going after what he really, really wants. He's very focused. He's dealing with all the police stuff, too. He's taking care of that, but he's the complete opposite of what Sworn is. He came in there knowing what his goal was, whereas Sworn was just like, everything was just thrown at him, and he didn't know what to do with it because he was in over his head.
2: Yeah, and the difference between Michael and Clementine is that Michael's also trying to figure out who killed Clementine. So there is a personal connection to why he's, you know, trying to find out answers for himself. As well.
1: Whereas before, for Clementine, it was more of an assignment.
2: Yeah, it was, it's curiosity plus, you know, the influence of the Order of the
1: Dragon. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So I I just think it's so fascinating. And then again, with, with Olivia being. In contact with both of them, and she's with both chasseurs, and you can really see that Michael is in much better control of the situation every time he goes out there. I feel yeah, and, and he's really close
2: too because he's in, he's interrogating Olivia, who we know as an audience killed both Marie and Clementine. That's right. So I'm like, Michael's really he's right there. He yeah. has he literally has his enemy like under his nose.
1: That is so funny that you say that because I, I wrote that down too in my notes, and it's it. It's just such a great thing for him to be so close and, and then to bring them both up within the same interrogation. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yes, Cle- Clementine, yeah, she disappeared. That was my sister, by the way. And yeah. then the, and then Marie's gone, hmm, that's a funny coincidence. Both under like your kind of area. What's going on with that? Oh, but you were lying to me mm-hmm. and you said you never encountered Clementine. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Although we know that's a lie as well. Yes.
1: Yes. It's, it's great. It's just such a great dynamic that he has and he's really, He's really the predator. He's going out there and he's looking for his like his prey to kill them to go after them. He just is waiting for Olivia, Mm -hmm. uh, Roman, Peter, somebody to make a mistake so he can pounce on them.
2: Yep. I mean, he's very close.
1: So close. I love it. I I like. Great. He is. I think he's actually him. You know him? Maybe Peter also. I think they're my favorite characters this season.
2: Oh really? Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. I like him a lot though. W- way Chassaur. better. Yeah, Chester. Yeah. Way better than his sister was. Cause she, I don't know, she was just, she had too much hubris with her, like, her alcoholism and, and her the,
2: religion and her,
1: her, and her being pressured by the Order of the Dragon. He doesn't have that. Like, like we were talking about earlier, he's just like, you know what, I'm through with the Order and I'm gonna do this for me.
2: Yeah, because I believe it was last episode, we saw him talking to the bishop and the bishop was like, if you walk out of that door, you know, you can say goodbye to all the, um, security that we'll have for you. And then he walked out. He's like, yeah, I don't need the Order of the Dragon.
1: Yeah, now he's getting... And he he's on his own. He doesn't need financial security either because exactly. he's getting paid as a sheriff.
2: Exactly. Great.
1: <laughs> he has so many resources available to him as the exactly. sheriff.
2: I mean, it's oh, the great position to cover up everything he's doing, actually. It's
1: perfect. Perfectly mm-hmm. well done. Well, really good writing.
2: Really thought out. <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh. So um, we have uh, we have Shelley now and we see her developing her relationship with little jason right Aww. and it's it's pretty sweet you can you can see where it's kind of going though um well i guess i couldn't see, i think at the time though i couldn't really see it's like how is she going to connect to him and what's going to happen like okay now actually you you could kind of see where it's going and the big introduction here with jason is his father and we get to see his father outside drinking a beer or drinking some, like, alcohol, right? And yeah. he's, like, yelling, like, hey, get back in the house, it's dinner time!
2: Very, yeah, very abusive tendency. So I can understand why Jason would, you know, make friends with anyone, and it is Shelly, but to, to isolate himself in that dark house that looks like a crack house now. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. Because we saw the people above the ground, you know, mm-hmm. on the regular f- ground floor, you know, doing... Heroin. Doing drugs. Yeah,
1: heroin or cocaine or something. It yeah, looked man. like they were uh, injecting themselves, I'm to thinking heroin.
2: I'm thinking heroin.
1: Yeah. But uh we see it's a
2: crack th- house. Yeah.
1: It's it's an abandoned house that no one's living in. So of course people are gonna vagrants are gonna come in there and do yeah. their stuff. Right? And they're not gonna go in the basement because Frankenstein's in there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I like the relationship how that's slowly growing too because it's nice that Shelly's Shelly tries to make friends with like everybody and then had to, you know Bond with this little kid who kind of has a lot of similarities with her is great.
1: I saw where this was going too, like with the the abusive father, the you know potentially abusive father, his tendencies. Uh, I was, I, I thought to myself at the time I watched this. I <laughs> thought to myself. Man, she's going to like go nutso on the father or the family or like uh, Jason's going to come back and he's going to be abused in some way like she can tell like he's going to have a black eye or something or he's going to have like a broken arm or a collarbone and then she's just going to go nuts because she yeah. loves him so much and her emotions are going to get the better of her and with her brute strength, her Frankenstein strength, who knows what she can do, right? I
2: mean, she can, she, I mean, no one, I wouldn't mess with Shelly. No. Especially if it's like someone, because we know that Shelly's a very family oriented type of person too too so i mean if she's bonding like with this kid and it becomes more of a family's dynamic then yeah she's going to protect the people
1: that she loves how sad was it regarding that same thing how sad was it when he was asking her oh who do you have a mom do you have a dad do you have you know this that person in your life and she was just shaking her head at everything it was so sad did she even did they say uncle did Jason say uncle at all to her i don't think he did i don't
2: know i don't believe so
1: but he just said like mom dad and she just shook her head at both which yeah. is she knows that Olivia is alive but it's just su- such a sad thing for her That's But the ha- fact
2: that she doesn't think of Olivia as her as a real mother because Olivia
1: didn't think of her as a daughter as either. a real daughter either. you're just oh you're just this thing this accident that happened and look mm-hmm. at you yeah, you're hideous to look at
2: yeah i mean she to to denounce your parents like that it's kind of sad especially for a shelly's case
1: yeah and at this point she's still not talking at all she just keeps shaking her head yes or no um it's it's gonna be i really want her to be able to communicate better and she's she is going to later on thankfully yeah we did talk about it with laurie fortier last time
2: yeah because you know because we know the frankenstein story frankenstein started off as a, a mute type of being and then he became educated and self taught and he knows how he knows how to speak and communicate with people so if they're gonna go along that that type of mythos of the story then I mean I think it's pretty clear-cut that we, we know that Shelly's gonna eventually speak yeah and also she's very educated herself too she,
1: she's super educated so she you know at some point yeah she's gonna have to talk and we, we already know that she knows how to use email she knows mm-hmm. how to use text messaging even like some kind of PDA that talks for her so she's she knows how to communicate well even just doing all the gestures she's doing right now that's mm-hmm. that's fine in her situation
2: breaking off her finger
1: yeah <laughs> to connect more with a human being yeah that's great so um, what's her anything else about Shelly? Oh, actually I wanted to talk about the body, the dead body and how it relates to Shelly. So right. they found it right in the beginning of this episode this time. And it was so funny, the situation that they were in. It was kind of like That oh, couple, man.
2: man. And the girl has to pee. Yes. I mean, I gotta bring that up because JJ would love that. <laughs> yes. But I mean, seriously... They, I love that running joke. I'm sure we're probably going to hear it more throughout the season, that someone has to pee, and that should be like another rule in the drinking game. Every time someone has to go pee, drink.
1: That's right. And... <laughs> and... um. So they find the body, but it's so funny because before that, the girls out there—I'm already thinking it's a couple getting drunk, wanting to have sex in the forest. They're going Absolutely. to absolutely—they're going to die. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's like the, the stereotypical thing for uh, like horror films, right?
2: You have sex, then you die.
1: Yeah, anybody who has sex dies unless it's the, unless mm-hmm. it's the main character like, is like because our that main our main characters true. are already monstrous creatures. I mean, so they, they they'd
2: die. all be dead by now. If that
1: happens. Yes, <laughs> so we do. But normal people who have sex die.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They don't matter. No, they
1: don't matter in these shows. So the girl goes off, we have a, we have like a half scare because she sees a raccoon.
2: And then she's taking a video of the raccoon, I'm like, uh, don't go near the raccoon, they're vicious creatures man. yeah could what are give, you doing
1: it could give her rabies exactly yeah. that's what i was thinking yeah so she and then she sees the dead body right the police come in i find it so funny how they call it. their abbreviated db it's so <laughs> DB. it's like yeah let's go ahead and like dehumanize it even more mm-hmm. so oh, she found the db and uh they're looking over it and it almost seems like it hasn't been decomposing for seven months in the ground it was like fresh and it had the worms, maggots in it all over it. And they even mentioned, yeah, judging by the maggots and decomposition, I'd say it's been out here for 24 hours. So that seems to me that Shelley, or sorry, um, Christina, was actually alive, or she had like reanimated herself as as like, the Vargulf. As the Vargulf, and even her human side was probably still alive too. That's what I'm thinking because her body was fresh; it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't decomposed.
2: I mean, and we know that the bodies are interchangeable, so if like. The, if the werewolf side is alive, then it's good chance that the human side is still alive, too. But now, I find it fascinating how when we know that Shelly killed Christina in the Vargolf form, that the body actually regressed back to the human form
1: yeah that was fascinating too that's a, that's another different little touch a little nuance yeah. that we didn't catch before
2: you think it would still stay in the Vargol form even though we did see the fur off of the, off to the side there was a quick shot of that but yeah. the fact that it went back to the human form
1: see even when i'm seeing the I, I forgot about the fur momentarily so even seeing that i'm thinking why would the fur be in a different location then the than the rest of the body did it get moved by animals or was there something that happened in that ellipse where Shelly killed her and then now it was found? What happened to that body? Well,
2: I think we know when Shelly ripped the head apart in two pieces, like she threw a piece. Uh, so I think it was probably just in the midst of the kill. You know, the body just went
1: in several places. Okay, good explanation. I don't have to scratch my head anymore <laughs> about that. Yeah, so that, that, it was, it was pretty gross to see too, because you could see like one piece of the head over there and yeah. one piece of the head like in a different the head's location. head's
2: like literally in half, but I love how they do the close-ups. I mean, as gruesome as yes. it is, it's, it's, it's actually kind of cool to look at. I'm like, how did they pull that off? Like, what's the makeup process like for yeah. that? And like, what kind of prop did they use?
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder what, like, I'm sure it was like a, a completely prosthetic body this totally. time. I mean. Yeah. So I, I would love to, Gosh, I wish we could pick some of the special effects guys' brains uh, out here on the show.
2: I'll see if I can get
1: them. <laughs> yeah, get them on the show. So, um, and you know what? I want to talk about, uh, Beaumont still and his trophies, but I totally, I totally left out, uh, talking about, uh, Roman and his urges this time. So I wanted yeah. to discuss that a little bit for a few minutes. So. This time we can see you when Miranda comes to him. He's looking at her and he's like, oh, "What were you doing last night?" And then he just co- like kind of like blanks out and he starts getting tunnel vision at her neck, and he's like seeing the veins throb. Right. Yeah.
2: I loved how they shot it, The like the filming aspect of it, and even how they edited. It, it's like very. Uh, erratic And, like, he can't control it. And, like, the, the zooming in and out. And then, like, him sweating over yeah. He's literally losing control. And he's trying to fight that. Because I think, you know, he still wants to be human. Because we know that he doesn't want to be an upier. He just oh. wants to be a normal human being. That's right. So, I find it fascinating how they captured, like, he can't. He literally can't control it. There's There is no fighting.
1: No, he can't control it anymore. And because he can't control it, he's getting so... He's getting bloodthirsty, obviously, and he's taking it out on everybody. His assistant, he calls the assistant and he's like, Hey, get me the, the sub level five basement blueprints. I blueprints. want to see everything. I need blueprints. Give me the blueprints. And he looks at the iPad when he gets the blueprints and he's like, It's, it's not on here. Sub level five's not on here. Ah! And he like throws <laughs> it down, shatters the iPad, and he makes a scene in front of everybody. I thought it was so funny how he looks at he gets mad, obviously, at his, as his, at his assistant. And then he turns around. Everybody's staring at him. What? What else do you mouth breathers want? (laughs) That is so funny for him to say that because it's like the most typical. Like, oh, I'm in an elevated position. I can call you mouth breathers because you're all unsophisticated compared to me.
2: Yeah, and also because like he's an oopier. He's not fully human. He maybe he doesn't even really need to breathe to to live. So it's like that's kind of an insult to just humans
1: in general, which I find funny. Oh, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that.
2: And I just love that quick moment when like he. Still yelling at the assistant guy and he just like picks up that ball and throws that at
1: him. Oh yeah. Just like some
2: patient in his attitude.
1: Oh, that was so good. That was good
2: actually quite funny that was that was quite funny
1: oh my gosh is, that was a great scene too even if it was just for like a minute or two it's so good yeah.
2: but now he's creating a hostile environment so yeah. he and has to
1: deal with that the hr person tells him to you have to leave he goes out and this this is like it's so funny because you think that's going to de-escalate yeah it's going to deescalate in the workplace but guess what he's going to put that anger somewhere else and that bloodthirsty frustration somewhere else he goes and he, he looks at this one bum and he's just eyeing his bloody sores that are uh, all over his so nasty mouth. Oh god! And he's and he's getting like more hungry looking at that stuff, right?
2: Yeah, and he's looking at the pieces of meat in the window, just like yeah. anything that he could get blood at.
1: Yeah. So later on, he ends up coming back to that bum, and he's like, you know what? This he's probably thinking to himself, you know what? This guy's a vagrant. He's not going to be missed by anybody. No
2: one cares about him.
1: But he went when he when he follows him and he gets him to like his his area where he's going to be sleeping at
2: it's he, a bunch of other homeless guys yeah
1: and at first we don't see them yeah no. so he asks him hey like do you have any family see that's where it shows roman's human side right there he mm-hmm. actually cares enough where he's like hey well number one he doesn't he doesn't want to get caught so yeah. if the guy has family in town he's he doesn't want him to be missed and then he finds out he's out like the family member is outside the town he's like okay i'm on now i got this guy like no one's gonna care about him and she's well taken care of, like, he, he wants to send her money or something? Like, Probably. Is it just saying that to make the guy feel better? It's just, like, so many things, like, okay, he could be kind of saying this just to put, just to, like, say that he's going to do it. He could kind of do it because he's trying to alleviate his guilty conscience in a way.
2: I think it was that, too, because he knows he's going to kill this homeless guy, but to make sure that it's not just a straight-up, you know, killing, that he's going to be, you know, taking care of the rest of the people he might have actually um, affected like his family, yeah. So I think that was just the good side of Roman still trying to come
1: out. And he attacks the guy. One other bum approaches him, hits him with what like some kind of bat or something. Pole, Pole.
2: yeah, that metal pipe. Yeah,
1: and it doesn't even phase Roman at all. All he does is just grab the guy by the throat and he holds him up, right? Yeah.
2: And I think that shows that that brute strength that Upiers have too. I mean, that's he's really becoming a new peer.
1: Yeah, and. He, uh, he, all the other homeless dudes start coming at him, and I was like, where are they coming from? They're like zombies! They just pop out of the Woodwork right there. Yeah, so. And what it really comes down to is they're trying to help out one of their own, right? But I love this metaphor that they throw into that scene. He Roman's walking away, and he throws up the money, and then they don't care about their okay. friend anymore. Yeah. He's bleeding to money. death. Yeah, it's and I they do this later on in the season with a couple other things, like with Shelley and her new body. Yeah. But it's so great how they the, the the writers just throw in great metaphors like this. It's like, hey, who who cares about people's lives? Money's more important. And that's yeah. and it's and of course it's it's like putting it in everybody's face like hey you guys you know like readers watchers uh, yeah. fans of the show money is not more important human lives are more important <sighs>
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and also just Roman's way of being like, hey, to save himself, just throw a bunch of money at them. And, you know, they're homeless guys need money. <laughs> That's
1: right. They need hundreds of dollars. They need hundreds of dollars. He
2: literally made it rain. <laughs> he made it rain
1: with like, seriously, Benjamins everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Beaumont taking his trophies. Ooh, wow. wow, I never thought seriously i I've seen some twisted stuff in movies like Pulp fiction and, and other films where there's like torture in some ways. I'm
2: surprised they went there in the show, which is wow. actually pretty cool that I mean, I mean, I know that sounds terrible. but the fact that like they can escalate to all this gruesomeness and violence in the show, especially for season two, it's great how it's everything's just like a step up from everything from
1: season one. That's why I love this season so much. I'm like so I'm so into it, and I was just like, "Wow, they're really, really escalating because they can do this because it's Netflix because they don't have to abide by like FCC
2: television rules, yeah,
1: FCC guidelines for anything. It's just like boom, take get some guys balls in a in a, a rubber band and yeah. do, and treat them like an animal, do, tie them up, em up each like other. pigs. Exactly. It was, it was just so. It was a cool scene to see that, and I liked the parallel. Um, stuff that was going on the on the TV. television. Yeah. At first, it's like, wait, is he f- being funny? And it's like cartoon stuff, and you don't really know. Mm-hmm. But then it gets serious, and then it's like nature films. It's like predator and prey, and he's preying on these two guys, and he's like, he is the one who's succeeding, survival of the fittest.
2: Yeah, a lion against the zebra, and then it was him against the squealing pig humans. It's crazy. It's
1: crazy, crazy good, crazy great. But did
2: you notice the rubber bands? How they were like a bluish and round it made me think of Auroboros. Oh yeah. The, I mean I'm like just the fact that there were blue rings mm-hmm, I mean it could red. have been it could have been any other color but the fact that they chose blue even the production design down to those little details mm-hmm. is fascinating
1: yes agreed and he just he, he's he's like in a way he's like an artist you know because he's doing his art his art is torture obviously to the best of his ability and he even has everything set out he's like Dexter in a way. Yeah,
2: and the way he was explaining what he was going to do before he even did it, you know, just builds that oh, in that idea in your head, like, oh, this is what we know to expect, and that's torture in and of itself.
1: That's right. That's right. I re- I really enjoyed that scene too. Not yeah, because great. I'm a sadist.
2: No, of course <laughs> not. We're both not sadists. just
1: because it's it's entertaining. It's just so extreme to see something like that. And if I ever get in a situation like with Beaumont. A guy like Beaumont who's pissed at me, I know I'm not going to let him take my clothes off. Hell no. <laughs> no.
2: Especially, and even Beaumont just did that for, he's a sadist himself, because yes. he says $20,000 is nothing. He wipes his ass with it. Yeah. So he literally just did that to prove a point to, to have this lesson with these guys. Don't ever mess with him.
1: It's don't lose his money. Yeah, don't lose his money, very true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, if there's nothing more to add, let's go ahead and move into our news and gossip. Sure.
0: After Buzz TV news.
1: So we actually had some comments from, uh, some of our fans who I'd like to read out. We had, uh, Stephanie Elliott on our YouTube channel. Thanks for the comment, Stephanie. She said, um, she's really enjoyed, so I'm gonna actually paraphrase because she wrote a long comment. That's great. That's great. So thanks for, uh, for contributing. Uh, she really enjoyed season two and the new actors. They brought like an excellent vibe to the show. And she, she just loves Shelley and her friendship with the little boy and, She's um it's it's great to see like she's a giant but she's like so innocent at heart additionally she really liked um she really likes uh, Miranda from um because she she was on orange is the new black yes madeline brewer yeah madeline brewer and she just thinks also that it she fits in perfectly with the hemlock Grove vibe and she's just she's pleasantly surprised by her so that's really good and then and it's perfect too she also says because she brings that love connection between roman and peter and Mm -hmm. she gets them back together
2: yeah so cool that no that's great thank you for commenting stephanie
1: we actually also had uh, a couple of other comments. We had one by uh, Glamoured by Eric, or El- Eric, yes. Yes. And uh, he said, although Christina... She. she oh, okay. <laughs> sorry about that. Christina, although Christina died in season one at the end of the credits from the final episode, she returned to life as Christina and was screaming as they panned to her headstone, Buried Alive. Unless the head is removed from the vargolf and perhaps even werewolves, they will come back. Once the head is gone, the entire being is ended. So now we know. Yes. So thank you for contributing this to that climbing by Eric.
2: Cut off the head.
1: Yes. Now we know, and and we got to see last time Shelly totally decapitated. Just boom. With brute strength, that mm-hmm. body gone. And we also had one more comment here from that I wanted to read out from Ills you, you is me. <laughs> I hope I got that name right. I love Miranda also. She's my favorite character, maybe because I love Orange is the New Black. I'm glad that she is going to become somewhat of an important character on the show, and also for the baby. By the way, love the show. You guys are doing a great job. I'll be watching every week for sure. Boom. Yes. Thanks so much for Thank the comment. You. Did we have any uh, news and gossip that you wanted to talk about? Martha? Well,
2: I just know that us, the audience, and even the cast members of My Grove are still in the dark whether Netflix has renewed... Um, Hemlock Grove for a season three. We still don't know. There's no official word yet. I feel like probably in a month, maybe two months, I hope we don't have to wait that long to find out the, you know, the end results if it did get renewed. I'm hoping there's a season three. There best be a season three, especially the way the season ended. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yes. But Um, I mean, I think we, we mm -hmm. all love this show and mm -hmm. there's so much more because now that they don't have the book to reference, they can literally just come up with so many new creative ideas they can take the show anywhere, and I would love to see where they go with it.
1: Yeah, we're definitely not going to do any spoilers tonight about how the season ends, but oh my gosh, they better have something after that.
2: There better be a season three. Seriously. Just
1: saying. As much as I loved, and I want to be straight up honest, as much as I love this whole season, doing that stuff at the end, it kind of was like, wait, what? It made (laughs) me, like, I I didn't like the last episode as much as the rest of the season. The rest of the season is tip-top awesome, perfect, ten times better than last season, but then the last Episode of this season, I'm like, what? I need an explanation here. I need a exactly. new season. Please bring back a new season of Hemlock Grove, guys. I think Netflix. that's Please.
2: The, yeah. That might be why you're a little unsatisfactory because you know, there's so many questions that the show leaves off, but that we want more to answer. All that
1: so, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move into our predictions. And now you're after Buzz TV. Well, I've got four predictions here, all written down, ready to go. Alright. Uh, the henchmen will further be motivated to get that 20k next time from Peter Rumensick. I feel like, oh, especially after they had their balls removed. Yeah. Um, Just
2: one each. Just one each. So but, they're still functional a yes, little bit. He
1: believes in second chances. Oh, yeah. So Roman will also, um, he's going to need to keep Miranda around for the baby's sake because she keeps it quiet. She keeps him well nursed or her well nursed and nutrition, nutritioned. <laughs> and um, we will meet the new investigator that Norman is hiring next time. Her name is Leticia. So I caught that this time because I didn't yeah. know. I watched the whole season. I didn't even know what the hell her name was until when I was rewatching this episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's it. That's her name. Yeah. And um, another attempt of of murder will happen via the masked cult.
2: Yeah, and I was going to go after of that the the men because I believe we only saw one masked man. In this episode, I think there are more out there. We're going to see more attempts and assassinations on families because it looked like it was after the mother and like it's like there's a family dynamic that they're after families. So I think we're going to see more of that. And we're going to see now, I believe we're going to see Roman and Peter like actually pair up together and try to save people, not just like one on their own. But actually, together as a working duo, um, I think that'll be fun. And I think, I mean, we didn't even get destiny in tonight's episode, so I feel yeah. like a little gift on that end. Yeah. Um, I, I think her. she's gonna. I think she's gonna help, like, give us more visions of like where to find this next assassination attempt.
1: Yeah, I, I love Dio Horn. She's so great to she's have amazing. around. She's great to have here in the studio. She's great to interview on the phone. Even though I like her in the studio much yeah. better, <laughs> but it's so nice to have her. We need to have her back. We gotta have her back so we can talk about more about what she did on the show and more of her take on the on the season because, shoot, I just want, I want more answers. Yeah. I want to I mean, grill people.
2: So, so many, some, so many answers to still, questions still to be answered. That's right.
1: Well, I think that about does it for us here at After Buzz TV's Hemlock Grove podcast. So uh, be sure to just go ahead and give us some follows. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Austin O. Marissa, where we can where can we find you? You can
2: follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serifini T V and also check out our awesome after shows, you know, with the special guest and check out my interview with Fomka Jansen. Definitely check that out, though. She
1: is amazing. That's right. I only saw half the interview, but oh, my gosh, it's so cool. Just you got to gotta watch the whole thing. You were in the same room with her talking. I know. I know.
2: I still can't wrap my head around it. It was
1: amazing. Intimate so, connection, right?
2: Absolutely. And then, you know, just watching her in the, the show, I'm like, oh, gosh, she's so good. And so, and, you know, I'm going to try to get more people definitely have more people down the pipeline for our after show
1: that's right thank you That we really appreciate that well, of course and uh, so be sure to check us out next time on um, the Hemlock Grove podcast for After Buzz TV we're going to be filming when's our, when are we going to be filming next time is it going to be this? next
2: Wednesday we will be back on schedule
1: okay next, next Wednesday not this Wednesday no. but the following Wednesday Follow- so we have this we're, we're filming tonight it's a Sunday but we're actually going to be back on next Wednesday which is the 10th ten- is that going to be the 10th I think uh, like
2: next, next week, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm
1: not looking at a calendar right now, guys. But thanks so much again, and we'll buzz with you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin
0: Undergaro, Phil Svitek and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network.